Knowing what to post on social media for your business, when to post, how often, it can all be so overwhelming. And then the social networks constantly change things up on us, right? Want that problem to go away? Join thousands of entrepreneurs who get my daily social media marketing tips direct to their inbox for free. Each day, you'll get stories, tips, ideas, and inspiration so you can do better social media marketing, all designed to drive revenue and profits in your business without it taking up all your valuable time. And of course, if they ever aren't valuable anymore, you can easily unsubscribe at the bottom of any email. Sign up now while you're thinking about it at dailysocialmediatips.com. There's no wrong way to be an entrepreneur, and that's the dirty little secret the business gurus don't want you to know. They want you to do things their way, but their way may not be your way. The key to success is finding the strategies that work best for you. Welcome to The Six Ways with Jerry Potter. On today's show, we're sharing six ways failure can grow your audience. Welcome to episode number three of The Six Ways. Every week, we bring on a smart, innovative guest that is thriving in their field of expertise to share their best tips with the rest of us so we can all achieve our entrepreneurial goals. One of the things that I'm really living my life by this year is I believe we all do better when we all do better. So my name is Jerry Potter. I'm a social media speaker and coach. I'm also a recovering perfectionist. And uh, I'm also a human who feels guilty having a gym membership that I don't use. And I'm so excited that uh, my friend Austin Armstrong is here, who has uh, amassed a following of, I think you just, he told me just before, 2.7 million followers on social media organically, and then recently founded the software company, uh, which is a really cool AI tool called syllabi.io. Did I spell that right or pronounce that right? Perfect. Okay. All right. Uh, and we'll uh, get into that here in just a bit as well. Welcome to the show, Austin. Jerry, thank you so much. I, I just totally resonated with uh, what you were just saying, feeling guilty about having a gym membership that you don't use. I think that's like, that's got to be like 80% of the country, right? Well, it's, you know, it's funny. I have a membership called Social Media Leads Lab. And when uh, when I first started my YouTube channel, I didn't know, like there was no business, there was no plan. And I had a stranger reach out to me and say, you know, you must be making all kinds of money because my channel was growing. And I'm like, no, I don't know how to do that. I have a job. And and he's like, let me show you. And so he pitched me on memberships, but he pitched it like gyms. He goes, oh, it's like starting a gym. You get everybody to sign up and then nobody shows. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I want that kind of membership, but I love the mm-hmm. idea of memberships. So yeah, uh, but, yeah. but <laughs> here I am on the uh, other side of that. So six ways failure can grow your audience. Austin's going to share three examples. I'll share three. Plus our question of the week from Marilyn, somewhat related to our topic of failure. She said, how do you keep going as an entrepreneur when it feels like the people closest to you don't believe in you? Um, you know, and failure is the hardest part about entrepreneurship for sure. And so as we get into these, I did ask uh, our friend ChatGPT to give me ways to grow a social media audience um, through failure, and it didn't come up with anything like what we're going to talk about today. So it's, uh, I guess we could call it AI proof. I don't know. (laughs) So, um, all right. And I will say, I know a little bit of what Austin's going to share, and it makes me very uncomfortable. Um, And so just a warning, if you know certain things about me and we have things in common, you may fall into the same boat. So. Um, what we do, Austin, is we do rock, paper, scissors to see who goes first, okay? Okay. All right, so you got to be up in front of the camera, as I learned last week, because I got accused of cheating, okay? So one, two, three, shoot. Here we go. One, right. two, three, shoot. shoot. Okay. Uh, paper, I, I went off camera again. All right, paper wins. All right, I'm going to go first then. So uh, six ways that failure can grow your audience. Um, number one is you've got to fail 
you've got to make enough content to fail in order to figure out the content that will grow your audience. So before I did what I do now, I worked for years in radio and television and radio sometimes meant hanging out in nightclubs and hosting parties and things like that, which was really fun when I was 21. And then later on, I was like, oh, I'd rather be at home in bed. But one thing, I remember this guy and he would come to the club, this one party we hosted, there's like 2000 people there every week. And he'd walk around all night getting rejected, asking girls for their phone number. And I finally pulled him aside and I'm like, like, no offense, but I just, I see girls reject you all the time. And he goes, ah, it's a numbers game. He goes, every week I come up, I ask a hundred girls for their phone number and I walk away with four. And other guys come in and they ask one girl and they walk away with zero. So I get four phone numbers every single week on average. <laughs> it was interesting because he was almost like talking about it as a marketer. But I really think it's the same thing with our content. We have to put stuff out there that we think even might fail. Sometimes I put out something because I'm like, oh, I got to get something up or I've done this for clients. And it turns out to be one of the biggest posts that we've had. Have you experienced that too? Because I know you are a content producing machine, Austin. Oh, yeah. I mean, you have to embrace failure if you want to be successful. You can't fear it because failure is a big part of success. I mean, you know, I love that story that you brought up too about asking 100 girls out, right? Like I've heard so many uh, and I've seen YouTube videos about that too, right? Where people will try to fail for 100 days in a row or fail at something every single day. And like when you build up that tolerance for that, you can accomplish anything because you're you're overcoming the the biggest hurdle which is getting started and and that feel fear of failure in the first place but yeah so i mean we were talking beforehand a little bit i i uh in regards to youtube um and youtube shorts i just couldn't figure youtube out i mean like i had figured tiktok out i had figured instagram out i had figured facebook out but but youtube shorts like something was uh, eluding me so and i literally failed 600 plus times with shorts, which means I literally uploaded over 600 shorts on my channel until it sort of clicked, or at least I had an epiphany of this is not working. Now I need to try something new. And, and it did, it worked. So it took me three years to get to 5,000 subscribers on, on YouTube. And now in the last uh, 10 months, I believe it's been now, I went from 5,000 to 580,000 YouTube subscribers. And it's like, you just can't be afraid of failure, like 600 failures before I hit the like huge home run. And that huge home run, that one home run is about to hit uh, 20 million views. Uh, it's the most viewed useful websites video on YouTube. It's that single 49 second video has uh, driven about 280,000 subscribers. Unreal. So. And when we first met, you still had 5,000 subscribers. And I think I was sitting around 130,000 subscribers and you're like, yeah, I can't figure out YouTube. And I was asking you about TikTok and I was like, well, let's do a collaboration. And I think it was like two weeks later and we just hadn't gotten our stuff together yet. And all of a sudden you had 200,000 subscribers. And I was kind of like, still want to do that collaboration? And you were nice yes. to say, yeah, let's do it. So, and, here, and here we are. And here we are, yes, on YouTube right now. So, um, all right. Uh, ways to that failure can grow your audience. Number two, Austin, go. Okay. So this is one of my favorite hacks that has really worked so well for me this year in particular. I've, I've really leaned into it. And to tease you, I think it's, it's one of, aside from having really good content, uh, just from repetition, I think it's one of the key factors that's helped me expedite my growth exponentially. And it's mispronouncing words and making typos on purpose. Let me explain. So 
I, I sort of stumbled upon on accident, I, I guess, that uh, um, people love to assert their egos and correct you, right? Uh, if you say something wrong, you mispronounce something, you make a typo, here come the grammar Nazis. Here come the people that want to assert their egos and correct you and state why they're right and you're wrong. Well, the good news here is that social media platforms don't care if uh, you get positive or negative engagement. They just want more engagement. Mm -hmm. And so if you can lean into this failure, <laughs> but make it purposeful and mispronounce really easy to understand words or make really obvious typos, it will drastically trigger people, trigger the trolls, and they will run to the comments to correct you, phonetically spell out the correct uh, pronunciation uh, of that word. They'll even rewatch your videos uh, if you're doing it in a video, uh, uh, which increases your, your view duration on it, and then run to the comments, and it starts comment strings of, I thought I was the only one that heard it that way. Uh, and, it, you know, it, it just fuels engagement like crazy which causes virality. And this is based on human psychology, because I know you kind of had mentioned that like mis uh, misspellings or mispronunciations like irk you, right? Oh, they make me, they that. make me physically uncomfortable. And even, even you telling me, like, I, I, you know, I say I'm a recovering perfectionist, even you telling me, Hey, Jerry, you could grow faster if you start intentionally making typos. I'm like, Oh, no, I can't do it. Like I, I physically, like I'm shivering almost. Um, and so the first time you, the first couple times you did it, it was not on purpose, but then you just saw this happen and went, yeah. oh, let's, let's jump into this. Yeah. I, I had, uh, yeah, uh, a video like unintentionally went viral because I had mispronounced something and, uh, um, yeah. And I, I just, you know, something clicked in my head, like, yeah, this is, there's something here. Let me try it. Let me just try and sneak in some mispronunciations and, off and it stuff. Went. And it just. It just consistently. Wow. And, you know, that's just good marketing. I'd just almost every video now, I, you know, I, I don't want to spoil some of my other uh, failure lessons that I'm going to share. But, um, well, give me yeah, an example I, I, of a word you'd mispronounce because I, I would spend 30 minutes trying to decide what word I was okay to mispronounce. Like, yeah, like so proper I, nouns I, or just random words. Random words. So the English language is funny, right? And so almost like, so there's so many examples of things that like, uh, phonetically should be pronounced differently than they actually are. And so like hard vowels and stuff like that. So like one, one that I use is, is, uh, there's a great website called answersocrates.com after the philosopher. And so I'll just, uh, I'll just say answersocrates.com. And I do this all over and over again. This is my favorite example because I, I've literally done this 50 times and every single time it works over and over and over again. And so as soon as I, I just, uh, blaze past and say, answer, go to this website, answersocratus.com, and people will run to the comments and say, how dare you mispronounce the philosopher's name? And they, they phonetically spell it out, Socrates. Yeah. And, uh, you know, or I'll say, how uh, dare you? Uh, da Vinci, da Vinci instead of Da Vinci. Or, uh, there was a, um, uh, a, uh, recipe website I shared one time, uh, and I said, uh, find the um recipe for outback's blooming onion instead of onion, onion. okay onion and like little little stupid stuff like that but like it, 
always, every single time triggers people to run to the comments and engage with my post. I just troll the trolls, man. And, and uh, it works. Mandy, who's here for our live show taping, said, I heard someone say they use a second social media account to troll themselves and make crazy comments. So other people will jump in and correct them. Smart. I can see that being that, yeah, super effective yeah, as all. well. Um, yeah, I, I could totally work. I guess, I guess that's creating extra work for yourself, but I, I guess, yeah. Ways that failure can grow your audience. Uh, number three, um, sharing your stories of failure. And, you know, this is something we've heard about authenticity and be real with your audience and things like that for, for many, many years now. And it's almost become a cliche. However, I remember seeing one of my mentors, Stu McLaren, um, who teaches membership to people around the world. And I got to see him speak somewhere and he basically talked about a failed launch. And I just all of a sudden was I felt so much closer to him and more loyal to him because he did that. However, I also see people like going live and just bawling um, in the middle of something and things like that. And I saw um, Amy Porterfield, who if you're not familiar with her, she teaches course creators. Um, she gave a great talk called Scabs Not Scars. And it was all about how Yes, you should share your failures with your audience, but not necessarily in the moment that it's happening. You know, do it not when you are literally, you know, have the uh, um, scab or scars, not scab. Sorry, not so not when the scab's still there and it's fresh and you're still, you know, bleeding for the analogy. But later on, then come back and share that. But that can be something that's that's really effective as well. So um, ways that failing can grow your audience. Number four, Austin, go. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> sort of piggybacking on on the last thing of knowing that people are quick to point out flaws and, and correct you on things because of the type of content that I create I always and in general I always recommend planning some sort of easter egg in in your content some sort of recurring thing that's like a WTF is that something weird that will force them to engage with your content more and so Call it a, a, you know, a whoopsie, I left it in type thing. <laughs> uh, I will share a, like a useful website, right? And then right below the URL in my browser, I'll plant a really suspect folder. Something like uh, right now, for instance, I've got Kanye West NUD dot dot dot. So it looks like it says Kanye West nudes. Uh, and I will do this with uh, really weird public figures like Donald Trump or Nancy Pelosi, or Mitch McConnell, pop public figures, whoever's trending on, on Google Trends, that it's like, surely, surely nobody is looking up Donald Trump nudes. What are you doing? Why would you leave that in? Right. Or downloading them and creating a folder of all your bookmarks. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, and so this has worked so well that... Um, it becomes an inside joke for my, for my audience. Every single time I do this, people run to the comments, but it, I've actually gotten, uh, some very influential people that I've met through just social media and networking and going to conferences and whatnot to text me and be like, Hey, Austin, you, you left this. I think you left this thing in, uh, on the video. You might want to, you might want to delete that video and take a look at that. And I'm just like, I, I got you too. Uh, it, and it's just part of, you know, you don't need to go that far. Um, you know, like Easter eggs can look like anything. Uh, I've got a super weird sense of humor. I find it funny. I, I wait for that engagement cause I know what's going to happen. Uh, I can take the heat 
not everybody can. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, one of the weird, or like, even if I don't want to do the nude thing, I'll put like how to hide a dead body or like, you know, hunt, Hunter Biden, uh, Hunter Biden laptop files, you know, thing, things like that. Just like weird stuff that's going to cause somebody to, to leave a comment and be like, what the heck is that? Like, are we not going to talk about that thing? Right. Yeah. I, so it's almost like planting like th- things you did wrong, allegedly in there so that people yeah. will comment on it. Yeah. And I've seen I've seen people talk about, too, where they'll have a weird object in their video. Like they'll they'll sit yeah. there and hold a guitar and never play it. No. Yeah. And actually, yeah. I actually knew a comedian once that it would go up and he'd do a 30 minute set holding a guitar. And he even, even this book behind me, like I, I have it, like it's just a random book, but um, it gets comments constantly. Get TikTok famous fast. Yeah, I can see background that. Background audit. But people comment about it all the time. Well, and I, yeah, this comedian would literally go up and do a 30 minute set and never play the guitar. And it was like just this tension with the audience. And they're like, is he going to play the guitar? What's going to happen? That's hysterical. I oh, love it. Wow. Okay. So, um, all right, ways that failing can grow your audience, number five. And this is kind of similar where it's, it's um, I guess, planning a failure. Uh, and this wasn't something that I strategized. It was actually something that happened accidentally. So when I worked as a radio personality, um, we were in Madison, Wisconsin one year, and spring was taking forever. And so my wife, Candy, and I and our producer we're all on the show together. And so we came up with this gimmicky thing where, you know, because everybody was talking about the weather and it should be warm by now. And it was called no shave till 60. And nobody on the show was going to shave until we hit 60 degrees. And it started off with like, oh, this will be fun. It'll be like a, you know, a two week thing where I'll ask our listeners to jump in and also not shave. And the fact that Candy and I were married and she wasn't shaving anything. And, uh, you know, there was kind of some additional awkward tension. And some people were like, you guys are disgusting. And other people were like, oh, I'm in. We got to get the warm weather. Let's not shave. I know it makes no logical sense, but it generated talk and it was good for the show. Well, it was kind of humming along. And I think it was like three and a half weeks in and we were like, are we still talking about this thing? Because we have not hit 60 degrees. We just didn't think it would go that long. Um, you know, if you know the song, No Sleep Till Brooklyn from the Beastie Boys, yeah, yeah. that was like our jingle. It was like, no shame till Dan. And so uh, I don't want to sing anymore. I don't want to have to pay for the rights to that song. But, yeah. but we um, all of a sudden, one of the things we did on our show, um, every chance we got is we would raise money for the local children's hospital. And we had this big radiothon coming up and they needed us to come in and take photos with some of the kids that were at the hospital and their families that were, you know, battling leukemia and going through chemo and stuff like that. And here I am, I haven't shaved in three and a half weeks. And I mean, just looking like a mess. And we had this big talk and I said, I can't be in these posters. They're going to put up all over the city with these kids looking like I don't even take care of myself. So we decided I was going to shave and then we just go up on the air the next day and say that I quit. Well, this dead promotion 10X'd itself immediately because people were like outraged and furious and how could you? And everybody else on the show is like, "Eh, you know, Jerry's a quitter and everything like that. And so since then in radio, we would sometimes do something we call planned spontaneity, but you can do this in your content if you're comfortable with it. And I think it's the balance between, uh, I will do whatever I can to get engagement, um, which I think you <laughs> fall on that side. Or more specifically, though, I'll do whatever I can to make the content as entertaining as possible or as interesting as possible for my audience uh, versus, oh, I could never do that um, or anything like that. You know, And this is kind of like this is what reality TV is based on, right? These planned twists and things like that. So, so I just, you know, I know it's not for everybody, but as you're doing something, especially if it's a longer promotion that you're running on social media or something like that, 
think about what if something went wrong one weekend? What could that be? And what could the reaction be? And um, you might get some really interesting stuff because all of our content starts to look and feel the same after a while. And with ChatGPT and AI, uh, we're going to just see even more of this, I think, same old content. So, um, and uh, now I'm glad that I get to shave regularly. Yeah. Well, you know, I was going to challenge you, Jerry. I think the the next level up to that is no shave till 60 years old and we just become bears. I, at a conference I was at earlier this week, there was a guy that had a really awesome beard, but I asked him like how much time he puts into it. And I, I did not have that kind of time. I don't have that kind of time. So. All right. Ways failure can grow your audience. Number six with Austin Armstrong. Go. Okay. We, you know, one of the biggest obstacles that a lot of people face when they get started on video is dealing with their personal insecurities. Guess what? Everybody has something that they're insecure about including the people that are commenting on your thing. So this is, again, easier said than done, but lean into your personal insecurities because people are going to comment about them anyway. They're, they're just trolls. And the people that leave negative comments about something that you're insecure about, a physical feature, uh, you know, anything like that is coming from a place of their own personal insecurity. It's never a personal attack on you. They're, why would you even give them that energy? So lean into that, right? I will mess my glasses up and do a video like that. I will, you know, mess my hair up or, or put it in a mohawk or, you know, just do something, do something stupid, right? My, my driver's license has like a giant piece of hair, like sticking in my face like this. It looks stupid, but you know, part, I don't know if we're allowed to curse, but well, I guess part of now, <laughs> but uh, it's too late, Jerry, the cat's out of the bag. Um, I've, you know, who, who cares about any of that stuff? I've got Austin power chest fuzz going on here. Do, 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 I, do I button my shirt up because of it? No, I don't care. Um, and that's easier said than done, but like lean into that because it will power you to get over that personal insecurity that nobody really cares about. Uh, in the first place, it will increase your engagement and um, just, just lean into it. Lean into your personal insecurities because it's you. It's what makes you unique. It's not something to be insecure about. Let me see if I can recap our six now, because we went a lot of really cool places, I think, with this conversation. So uh, number one was you got to just put out content that might fail because sometimes that turns out to be your best content. And you just have to put out a volume of it sometimes to figure out what is going to be your best content. Uh, number two, uh, the Austin Armstrong special, intentionally uh, mispronouncing names and words and misspelling them, saying, uh, what, what, how did you pronounce Socrates? Socrates? Socrates. Socrates. That's even better. Gratis. Uh, and the engagement goes crazy and it will grow your audience. Uh, number three, sharing your stories of failure. That can grow your audience because that's the kind of stuff that people do engage with. And engagement means more reach and more reach means more growth. Number four, uh, having little Easter eggs in your videos. Um, Austin's example was having uh, folders on his desktop of um, you know, nudes from celebrities and other weird things. And even people he knows will like privately text him and say, oh, you better take this down. You saw this in there. Um, number five, plan spontaneity that will make your content more interesting, especially as you are going through a longer campaign. And number six, uh, just call out uh, your personal insecurities or just leave them in there again, just to get more engagement. I just met a woman um, at this conference. She was a real estate agent. She is six feet tall. And, um, so on Instagram, her name is like, you know, whoever the six foot agent or something like that. And I was like, fun. Yeah. And, and then she said later, she goes, oh, it's my biggest insecurity. So I figured I would lean into it. 
Yeah, I mean, just to, just to tag on to that real quick, like I see so many amazing stand stand up comedians are the best at this. Yeah. There are yeah. some stand up comedians that have cerebral palsy or have disfigurements or you know don't have hands or something like that, and they turn that into their jokes. Yeah, so they get ahead of it. They lean into their personal insecurity and make it a superpower for them. Yeah, perfectly said. All right. What was your favorite? Um, do let us know. Our question of the week is from Marilyn, somewhat related to our topic of failure. How do you keep going as an entrepreneur when it feels like the people closest to you don't believe in you? Austin, you want to chime in on that one first? Yeah, chuck them aside. Uh, that's a little blunt. But, um, you know, most of the time, uh, you know, they are not the ones that you should be listening to for advice anyway. If you have a business idea, you're an entrepreneur. They're not your target market. Uh, yes, sometimes you can lean into friends and family to help you get started and whatnot, but most of the time they are not who you are trying to reach if you want to grow and scale your business. So why are you, why do you care what they say, uh, about your business? Most of the time also they give you unsolicited advice based on no experience whatsoever. Am I going to take marketing experience, uh, from my mom? No, she's not a marketer. She doesn't have a business. You know, uh, do I love my mom? Absolutely. But am I going to take specific advice like that? You know, I might listen to it a little bit, but like, no. So who cares? You do you. Most people are too afraid to take that leap and they, they stay at their cushiony job that works 40 hours a week being corporate drones uh, for the insurance policy. If you're ballsy enough to become an entrepreneur and lean into an idea and take that risk, screw what anybody that's too fearful to do the same thing says. Well said. Now I'm going to speak for the people who um, aren't as confident as you, including myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I've been very, very lucky because everyone around me, you know, ever since I ventured into entrepreneurship has been very supportive. But I probably hear from two to three entrepreneurs a week that want to know how can I start a Facebook business page and make sure nobody I know finds it. And, and because of this exact reason, they don't want to be judged. They don't, you know, they don't want, if they fail, they don't want to be called out for it. And, you know, there's mindset stuff you can do. Uh, you can take the Austin route. And I mean, it is good advice to say, unless they've done something better in what you're doing, like unless they've succeeded in the exact same thing you're doing, they have no, no place to really speak. But it's sometimes hard to turn off our feelings around that. So the best thing you can do is find other entrepreneurs you know, that's part, part of the reason that we provide communities in my programs is so you can connect with other people that do, and then you can have people that will believe in you, um, even when those around you don't. But yeah, I think the best thing from this is what Austin just said, where it's like, look, if they haven't done what you're doing in your exact industry and niche and succeeded, then they, their opinion doesn't really matter at that point. And I know it's especially hard when uh, sometimes it's actually your direct spouse or, you know, significant other or something like that. So yeah. yeah, great, great answers. All right. Um, we are going to be talking about another interesting topic next week on the show, six ways to trick yourself into being more productive. Um, I guess as a productivity and systems expert. And I was like, oh, that's such a great title. So I'm excited to jump into that next week. For our podcast listeners, if you want any of the links or to connect with Austin Armstrong, you can check the show notes or go to the sixways.com slash three. And then uh, Austin, tell us a bit about syllabi.io real quick. Yeah, so thank you so much. And it's uh, syllabi with a Y, just a heads up there for the, the title card there. Uh, it is uh, 
an AI-powered marketing tool that helps you streamline your video marketing campaigns. We primarily focus on service-based businesses. Uh, our big ambitious goal is to replace your video marketing agency with AI, and that's coming from somebody that owns a video marketing agency. Well, what Syllabi does uh, is just a quick feature highlight for you. It shows you the top questions that your customers are searching for in basically any industry with data to back it up. We use AI to generate viral video scripts around those questions so you can better resonate with who you're trying to reach. We just rolled out AI video creation. So sort of like deep fakes, but human realistic avatars that look and sound like a real person that read that script around the question your customer is searching for. So you don't need to be on camera anymore. And then we're working on uh, social media scheduling uh, and we have a content calendar and consistency tracker built in because consistency is one of the hardest parts and saving time is one of the most uh, uh, important things that we focus on as well. So you can do everything that a agency, uh, a video marketing agency does for one one hundredth of the cost in minutes rather than hours. So your goal is to put your other company out of business. Yeah, right? it's coming in. Okay. So why not? Charge. All right. Syllabi, S-Y-L-L-A-B-Y dot I-O. If you want to check that out, uh, it is I'm a tech junkie and it's amazing where technology is going. Also creepy in a lot of ways, but it's, it's coming either way. Right. So some really awesome tips and stories were shared today. Remember, we all do better when we all do better. And so take a second right now. Think about who you know that might enjoy this conversation or benefit from it and then make sure to send it to them or tag them. Austin, thank you so much for being here today and being on the show. Truly appreciate your time. Jerry, I, I appreciate your time, brother. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, always a pleasure. And let's do it again. The Six Ways is recorded every Friday before a live online audience. To join us for the live backstage pre-party and the after show Q&A, find all of the upcoming shows at thesixways.com. And remember to take action on something you heard today and let us know how it goes. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and don't forget to sign up at dailysocialmediatips.com to get the same powerful tips and strategies that thousands of other entrepreneurs enjoy receiving direct to their inbox each day for free. Just the first couple emails you get have completely transformed the way some business owners look at their social media marketing. Want to see how? Sign up now at dailysocialmediatips.com and we'll see you in the next episode.